Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome my friend, Dr. Jonathan Lehman, back to the podcast. Dr. Lehman serves as an editorial director for Nine Marks and is co-host of the podcast, Pastors Talk. He also serves as an elder at Chevrolet Baptist Church in the Washington, D.C. area. It's a joy to have him on the podcast today. Jonathan, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Thank you, brother. Glad to be back. Yeah, good to have you on campus. We're recording this in the context of our annual Nine Marks Conference, which is just wrapping up. We've had about 600 guests on campus uh, attending the conference, and it's just been a real joy to host Nine Marks here again. Six or seven great talks on evangelism. I assume those will be posted soon. Go listen to them. Very encouraging. Hearten your self once again with sharing the gospel with folk. Absolutely. So today you and I are going to be talking about the pastor and difficult conversations. But before we get to that, uh, give us an update on Jonathan and the Lehman family and the ministry the Lord has entrusted to you. Yeah, four girls uh, there at Chevrolet Baptist in Washington, D.C., where I serve as a non-staff elder, continue to work full-time uh, for Nine Marks as editorial director, but serving in the church at Chevrolet there, just outside the nation's capital on the Maryland side. Uh, for the three of them, teenagers dealing with a lot of those sorts of issues, you want to email, text in advice for me on how to parent teenage girls. I'll take it. Venmo you money for counseling. (laughs) That as well. Uh, they're wonderful. I love them, but you know, there's, there's challenges and so forth. And the church is doing well. The last three, we're going to talk about difficult conversations today. The last three Sundays I have preached the three pastorals. Okay, so a sermon been, from each pastoral. Well, an overview of okay. the whole book. So two weeks ago, I did an overview of First Timothy, and then a week ago, overview of Second Timothy, and just this last Sunday on Titus, and try to give the weight of those entire books to the congregation, right? And a lot of difficult conversations Paul is encouraging Timothy and Titus to have, to be willing to have. And uh, anyway, it's been, it's been a pleasure serving at Chevrolet Baptist there. Yeah, so say a word about Nine Marks. What's new there on the content front, on the project front, both what you particularly oversee and then perhaps just things going on that would be helpful for our hearers to know, even if it's not under your purview? Yeah, sure. We continue to multiply our podcast series. So you mentioned Pastor's Talk. We also have Preacher's Talk, which we do in partnership with Simeon Trust. We have Missions Talk, which Max Stiles and Ryan Robertson of Reaching and Preaching both do on our behalf. We have a new one called Priscilla Talk based off of Priscilla in Scripture, which is by women for women, by three pastor's wives, talking about how to help women thrive in the local church. So so pay attention to that one. Bible talk is, is another great one. So those are multiplying. The new editorial front over the next few years is going to shift more and more to missions. And so, Lord willing, I'm beginning a series of books, overseeing a series of books in partnership with, with Scott Logston and Brooks Boozer called Church-Centered Missions. And we hope to publish seven, eight, nine books on missions and what church-centered missions looks like. So stay tuned for that. Watch for that over the next year or two. And that'll be with Crossway? Lord willing, yeah. Okay. Well, formally, they've said yes to the series. So yes, it will Okay. Be. And going back to the podcast, are you personally involved with each one of those? I'm not. Okay. No, so I how often do those come out? What's the release rhythm of all of those? Pastor's Talk is every week. Preacher's Talk is once a month. Priscilla Talk is once a month. Missions Talk is once a month. Bible Talk every other week, I believe, or maybe it's every week. So d- different okay. different release rates. Good. Well, hey, brother, let's talk about difficult conversations. Give us a sense as to um, how often in local church ministry you find yourself 
having to be engaged in difficult conversations. I assume it might differ between a staff elder and a non-staff elder. Speaking as a non-staff elder, I would say once a month, maybe. But there have been seasons where it's once a day, <laughs> you know. But as I think about it in general, I'd say it depends on what you mean by difficult conversation. Do you mean correcting somebody in their sin? Yeah. Let me, do you mean instructing them to do something they don't want to do? Help me. Tell me what you. Yeah, mean. I'm in a conversation that's probably going to be a time intensive. Mm-hmm. B could be emotional, meaning could be given to offense. Yeah. Uh, so, so those are the main two. High stakes conversation. High stakes conversation. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, I think it almost might be. A, you might want a week. One a month. It just depends on the season and life. And in many ways, it depends on the maturity of the church. So I, I know some pastors say, listening to this, might be thinking, what are you talking about? I'm having them every day. And other guys, uh, you say if they're especially in a reform situation, whereas, whereas other, other guys might be a little bit more peaceful. And by God's grace, I think we have a fairly mature congregation right now. And there's a lot of peace. We're in a good moment. So I'm not having as many. But over the last, you know, decade or two, sure. This is just a regular part of the ministry. If you can't do this, if you can't have those conversations, you should not be a pastor. And no doubt COVID has probably played into this as far as, you know, when that oh, we're peak well, no, COVID that. and some of the division around that and views as to how much that should show up in the church and does everyone wear a mask? Do they not? Do we meet? Do we not meet? Et cetera, et cetera. Certainly there was, there was a spike in the graph, you might say, through COVID. And 2021 was a very difficult year for many pastors. A lot of in my, from what I can tell in conversations I was having, a lot of pastors got out of the ministry or burnt out and just like, this is it. Uh, others were just kind of laboring along. So yeah, COVID was very difficult. I think, maybe this is a bit to the side, but I, I do think we are increasingly in a world defined by politics. As the culture wars continue to heat up, as, as, as America feels divided, politics seems to saturate everything, right? And, you know, imagine being in Europe in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just going to have a lot of political conversations. And I think we feel that more and more. So, yeah, there's a surge in those kinds of difficult conversations for pastors. And learning to navigate those well, wisely, is that's a, that's that's takes some skill. And one of the things I've learned over the years in local church ministry, at least for me, oftentimes the conversations that are more complicated are not when it's that particular person you're talking with, it's one person removed. So in other words, if I'm meeting with a man in the church and concerned about a sin issue, and I can just get at that, and they're either going to respond positively or negatively, but, but getting to, to the point is not that hard. It's often more complicated when it's not that guy in the church, it's his 21-year-old daughter. Right? <laughs> yes, certainly. Yes. And it's interesting how that, how that works whenever you're dealing with someone. It's not about a particular issue with them, but it's a dependent or a yeah. parent, and, and because for a whole host of reasons. Or, or just other members that they're upset, they know are upset, and they're kind of there on behalf of the group. And it's like, I'm looking into your face, but I know behind you there's a bunch of other faces. And this is a, this is a harder conversation to have. And sometimes I shut down—I'd be curious to hear what you say you do with those. Sometimes I shut those conversations down. Say, hey, listen, if, if so-and-so's upset, or if you know people are upset, just please—I'd love to talk to them. I'm happy to, and just not push into it. Other times, you take the opposite tack, and I'm going to sh- ignore the fact that there's these 14 ghosts standing behind you, and I'm going to talk to you as if it's you. You know, it just, it just depends on what it is. I, well, what, do you, what do you say to that? What do you do in those situations? Well, if it's people are saying, generally I say, well, have them come see me, 
But if it's a, a person who's there, I try to respond to that person as a, as a real-life human being, um, church member, if they're a member, you know, a soul in need of care, question that needs to be answered. And then it depends on, is, is this a theological question? Is this, is this a, hey, pastor, how do I handle this ethical situation? Or is this a sin issue? That's one thing. If it's kind of just a, a complaint, especially if it's more of like an anonymously channeled complaint, um, mm-hmm. I struggle with that more. I struggle with dignifying that. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I think that's exactly right. I, I don't think of any other special wisdom. Yeah, so I, I guess when you know you're going into that, and, and you know, some of these difficult conversations you stumble into, others like you know, okay, Thursday's the day. Mm-hmm. I'm meeting with this guy mm-hmm. at this time, mm-hmm. this location, about this topic. Mm-hmm. So when you're going into that, you know it's going to be difficult and they may not re- respond well. Like, what basically is your frame of mind? Are you, are you praying that morning? Are you reflecting on key biblical principles you hope to convey? Well, what's in your frame of mind going into that? The first thing I think about is Judgment Day. Sincerely. I mean, so yes, I'm praying, but I'm sincerely thinking about Judgment Day. And I'm thinking about what do I need to do to be faithful in this conversation? What do I need to do to get to the other side of this conversation and look back and know I was faithful? I didn't push too hard. I wasn't a jerk. I was thoughtful and loving towards the person, A. But B, I didn't fail to say what I think God would have me say to be a faithful witness of Him in this moment, right? I remind myself that I don't finally need to persuade this person of this or that. Uh, I need to, as it were, testify that, brother, I, I think this is sin, or, or sister, you, you really need to make that phone call, or w- whatever the case is, right? I mean, I remember one time I was going over to meet with a couple, and uh, they, well, the elders had found out that they were going through artificial in vitro fertilization. They had frozen some eggs. And it was my job. The elders had discussed the ethics of these matters and what was right, what was wrong, based on our best guess. And I was kind of there to say, you need to implant all the eggs in whatever way is most likely to succeed in those children living, right? Whatever statistically most helpful for them all living that are now frozen, you have to implant them. It's sin not to. Right? That's a high stakes conversation. That's a high stakes yeah. conversation. And I knew fear of man in me to want to like soften or back down or make things sound nicer. But it's like, okay, no, that's, that's the message I have to, I can't control what they do as a consequence, but I have to deliver that message. Yeah. I think those are the main things I think about prayers you say, and then thinking about the Lord's judgment and what do I have to do to be faithful? You know, and sometimes God shows up in remarkable ways. I was in a conversation uh, in recent months in a local church setting. Someone had asked to visit me for a few minutes not really knowing what was going on since perhaps marital. Sure enough, I'm there just talking to this couple. And I'm not doing like formal counseling with them. It's just more like kind of like a conversation. Hey, we mm-hmm. want to get your thoughts. And in that conversation, um, the, the husband did confess infidelity in the not too distant past. And we're talking about it, and there seemed to be real repentance, real brokenness. The wife seems to be truly broken and forgiven. And, and you know, anyway, it was a, a one of these gut-wrenching conversations, mm-hmm. but but it did have layers of sweetness to it. Yeah. Well, in that conversation, I just asked, where do you work? And he, he told me the place he worked was not conducive to healthy masculine Christianity. Let me just put it that. <laughs> well, now, now you're certainly promoting the imagination. Yeah, go, yeah. Go, go, go and on. I just said, I said to him, so brother, you need to quit your job like right now. Yeah. You need to never go back to work again. Yeah. You need to email and not yeah. set back foot back in that place. Yeah. And for me, I, I meant that, and I thought that was good biblical advice. But I also knew, as we live of a fleece, like, is he serious about uh-huh. keeping this marriage uh-huh. together? Is he serious about truly repenting on in Christ? 
And by God's grace, you know, I get an email from like or a contact from a couple days later. He'd done it. He, yeah. he quit it. Boom. He was done. Yeah. So my point in saying that is sometimes you're in these conversations and, and, and you stumble into not knowing the depth of, of the issue. And then sometimes just having the nerve just to speak directly and clearly. You need to no longer do that. Boom. A young man came to me and he confessed that he had slept with a girl the previous night, single guy in the church. And I think it happened a few times before that. And I had challenged him and this or that. And so anyway, so here we are, we're sitting in a, a breakfast place and he says, well, I got a party this week and I, I slept with this girl. And I just said, let me call him Joe. I said, Joe, do you want to be a Christian? He said, yeah. I said, cause I tell you what, if you stop calling yourself a Christian, you can go sleep with whoever you want. Just stop calling yourself a Christian. And then you, then you do what you want, man. He's like, seriously? And I said, yeah. I mean, the problem here is that you're calling yourself a Christian and thinking yourself a Christian and doing those things. You can't do both of those things at the same time, right? It's one or the other, buddy. Right. And uh, I think he was sort of shocked that I would say, just stop being a Christian. But it kind of got his attention. And so, yeah, in, in a moment like that, what was required was utter clarity. Mm-hmm. from me, I think. There's other moments where you're, you're stepping in much more gently and maybe where you're uncertain of what the right path is to get out of the predicament they've got themselves into. But much more gentleness is required. So that'd be one thing I guess I'd want to highlight, Jason, just to, and maybe this is obvious, but okay, so you go into those situations thinking about the accountability you have to the Lord and wanting to be faithful in delivering whatever testimony you're called to t- testify to. But then there's also a need for much wisdom it's not always clear what the right thing to say in those moments is. Yeah, so as I'm trying to piece together our conversation here for our listeners, so clearly we're saying sometimes profound clarity is needed. Yes. And you know what to say. You just need to say it. A clear biblical principle is being violated. Yeah, that's right. So there are times where it is naughty, and and you would love to produce a word of wisdom and tidy up this meeting, this conversation, and change their life in helpful ways, et cetera. But, but the reality is that's just not there. So is it appropriate to say, hey, this has been a, a good conversation. Let me take a step back. Let's take a step back. Let's pray and reflect and, and maybe visit again next week. I think, that's ex- I think that's exactly right. Okay, so the illustration you used a moment ago where you said, I gave him biblical advice and I told him to quit his job. Well, if I'm, I'm going to tweak what you said just slightly. The Bible doesn't tell him to quit his job. What you were doing is you were taking biblical principles and you were applying them to a specific situation and saying, in light of what the Bible says, I, I think this means— Quit your right. job. Now, that was a pastoral application, but sometimes those pastoral applications just aren't as clear, right? Uh, so I remember another situation I'm saying in a Burger King with a young man confessing a various form of sexual sin and addiction patterns he was falling into and trying to help him through that. And the way forward just wasn't as clear to me what some of those practical steps he needed to take were. You know, we'd already done you know, accountability on the computer and you know, all these different things. We'd kind of done all the obvious things, but he was, okay, at that, in moments like that, yeah, my, my response to him was like, okay, well, brother, we, we need to figure some stuff out. We need to find some new patterns, new trajectories. Let's, let's be praying about what those might be, and let's talk about it again in a, in, a, in a couple of days, right? So, yeah, no, I, I think your question is exactly right. It's not always clear even to us, the all-wise pastors, you know, what, what the best thing is. So I'll often seek the counsel of, okay, here's another quick one. A guy was going to join our church, and uh, I had done a membership interview with him. And we got through the membership interview. He had explained the gospel wonderfully. In fact, I'd, I'd gone through the membership classes with him one-on-one due to his work schedule and gone through all the whole statement of faith. He understood it marvelously, bright, articulate, ready to join the church. 
at the very end of the membership interview, after I told him, listen, I'm going to recommend you to the elders and the elders will consider it and will recommend it to the church. I'm like closing my computer up, like, you know, I'll put my jacket on, getting ready to walk out the door. And I'm like, oh, hey, by the way, you know, a few times ago, you mentioned to me that you struggled once or twice with porn. How's that going? How can I help you with that? Are you fighting the good fight? That's that sort of thing. Well, that turned into a 10, 15, 20, 30 minute conversation in which he admitted he was pursuing a homosexual lifestyle. Wow. But fighting it. But he'd stumbled. He'd stumbled a month ago, maybe a few weeks ago. So maybe I shouldn't say pursuing a homosexual lifestyle. That's too strong. He was occasionally doing that. And uh, I was like, oh, well, that changes things. And he was like, it's wrong. It's sin. I don't mean to do it. But, but you're saying it did happen a few weeks ago? Yes. Well, listen, brother, I, I need to talk to another elder or two about this. Uh, so let's just hit pause on this membership interview. Because in that moment, it's just, it was, man, I'm getting this fresh information. Right, right, I'm, I'm right. Like, I, can't, I can't process that fast. And usually— <laughs> Maybe uh, that's clear to you, but in that moment, it's kind of clear to me now as well, and frankly, looking back. But in that moment, I was just like, ah. And usually, you know, unless the Lord is really working, people are inclined to confess kind of minimalistically. You yeah. know, and it was kind of— Oh, once, no, know, that's right. You know, yeah, maybe it was a month ago, or actually it may have been, a, you know— a week ago or no, a day that's ago. Right, that's right. Um, okay, can, can, I, can I take a principle from that? Sure. This is for the listener. If you're ever in a tough conversation where somebody's confessing, I have found it helpful to assume that they're doing what you just said, that they are not giving you the full picture. And so I will start pushing in deeper and deeper. So, for instance, suppose a guy says, yeah, I look at porn. I'd say, okay, well, how often? Oh, I don't know, maybe maybe once a week. But, okay, then then I'll up the ante on him. This is what I'll do. I'll say, okay, so not every day. And he'll say, well, well, no. I say, okay, maybe four or five times a week. And I'm like, well, I'll be like, yeah, okay, okay, maybe three or four. And so you're looking for like two minutes or you're looking for like an hour each time. Oh, you're like two minutes. Well, what's the most you've done? Maybe an hour? Oh, sure, an hour. So maybe on average 30 minutes. Anyhow, I know I'm getting in the weeds here, but the point is I – Assume sinners don't want to reveal their sin, and therefore I'll overshoot, and then let, let me kind of back me down hmm. and get a more honest assessment. That's good. So you and I, Jonathan, are, I guess, in our mid-40s. I can speak more about my, about my age than yours, but, but I guess in our mid-40s, we've been in ministry for 20-plus years you know, have some experience, both have completed MDiv and PhD degree. So, so we show up these conversations— kind of from a different perspective and perceived a different way than, than we did 20 years ago. Yeah, sure. And so to the younger pastors there who don't show up with degrees and decades of experience and, and kind of show up with credibility walking in the room with them, what do you say to them about these difficult conversations? Well, I don't know that the degrees make that much of a difference in a lot of, the, a lot of these sin counseling Yeah, they, they ought not to, it, but in the eyes of the person with whom we're speaking, they may. You mean the person we're challenging? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I'd say to the pastor who doesn't yet, or the young pastor, or the young aspiring person, the, the degree doesn't finally make the difference. What what makes a difference is is your knowledge of God's word, and your love for the person in front of you, and honestly, some skill in learning how to have these conversations. So I think by God's grace, I have more skill in having these tough conversations than I did twenty years ago. Right, twenty years ago, I might have been charging a little bit more bull like china shop in ways that weren't always wise, right? 
And so to the average person who's, who's trying to have these, diff, the pastor is trying to have these difficult conversations, it is a skill to grow in and you can grow in it. And knowing your Bible and knowing people and knowing how to love people are the things that you need to, to lean into. Yeah. And look, you just have been giving overviews to the pastoral epistles at your church. And, and if you're 25, on the one hand, you are appealing to those older men as older men, mm-hmm. younger man, older man. At the same time, look, let no one disregard your youth. I mean, if, if you want to speak the truth with clarity and, and, and with a certain appropriate amount of confidence when you're speaking scripture, but appealing, not haranguing. Yeah. I mean, think about how Paul tells Timothy to rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with all purity. So there is a kind of contextual personal adjusting that needs to go on depending on who you're talking to. You need to know who you're talking to. Is this somebody who's rebellious or somebody who's weak? Those are different yeah, Defiant people. or uninformed. No, that's exactly right. And you need to you need to accommodate yourself. And think about, you know, what he also says to a father. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. I don't, I don't want to exasperate a person who's, you know, jump higher and they just, you know, they, they're they not capable of it. That's good. You know? So uh, extra sensitivity to who you're talking to and being aware of that is crucial as well as then courage. You just need courage. So let me pull this together here, I guess, with the final question. Are you aware of any resources that come to mind that are helpful in this regard, difficult conversations? And don't I, say, Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence no, people. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've written a few books on church discipline, and in my book, Understanding Church Discipline, I talk about how to have some of those difficult conversations, if, if I am permitted to promote something I Absolutely. <laughs> Honestly, I think one of the most important books you can read going into ministry to have these kind of conversations isn't about having these conversations. It's about fear of man versus fear of God. And I'm talking about Ed Welsh's book, When People Are Big and God is Small. I think that's the title, some version of that. Um, I think every pastor needs to learn to fear God more than man. And that fear of man is deep in our hearts. Hmm. So you want to talk about having tough conversations Okay, let's start here, though. Let's start with your heart, Pastor. And are you willing to love people and fear God? Because if you're not, you're not going to want to have them. Or you're going to think it depends on you and you're going to have them too hard. See, lack of fear of God and fearing man will either cause you to have those conversations too aggressively, ironically, because you think it depends on you, or too softly and not be willing to have them. Whereas when you're fearing the Lord and loving the people, you're going to have better eyes and a better ability to figure out, okay, what exactly needs to be said right now? I would commend that book. Thank you, Jonathan. And thank you for joining me today on Preaching and Preachers. Thank you, brother. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.